All right, welcome back to CBS Sports Radio. I'm Vince Quinn with you, as always, on this fine morning show. And joining me is somebody who is having a hell of a time uh, constantly in Houston. He's an NFL writer for Fan Sided, Mr. Cole Thompson. Cole, what is going on? Vince, you know, it is another storyline coming out from the Houston Texans. It is another person leaving the you know, the big 713 area. But unfortunately, I think for the more national media people, they may not understand that this storyline is a lot different than the other storyline surrounding the other face of the franchise with the Houston Texans. Okay, well, why is that? Well, let's just talk about this. Everyone knows by now that J.J. Watt has been released from the Houston Texans after 10 years with the team. But when you really break this down, it was always a move that multiple people that I've spoken to, multiple people around the Houston area, believed was always going to be the case. Not only does Houston save $17.5 million by cutting J.J. Watt, they also salvage a little bit of his legacy in Houston. They allow him to kind of pick which team he wants to go to next. They allow him to go figure out where he wants to be. And there's a report, of course, saying that teams were interested in trading for J.J. Watt from what I was told, it was not more than a fourth-round pick. And when you look at Houston, they need second-round picks. They need first-round picks. They need picks that are really going to help make this franchise start this rebuild off a little differently and a lot quicker. You don't get that with fourth-round selections for the face of your franchise for over a decade. And keep in mind, J.J. Watt's one of, I believe it's 16 players in the NFL who have 100-plus sacks in his career. He leads the, you know, he leads the franchise in total tackles for losses, in quarterback pressures, in sacks, in pretty much every single defensive statistic category besides interceptions. That is JJ Watt's legacy. So they allow him to kind of leave on his own terms. He gets to go play wherever he wants. And also on top of that, Houston now is going to save seventeen point five million dollars in the cap space, which was always a need since they were thirteen point three million over going into the weekend. So this was always the case. I, I think that with Watt, you're looking at a 32-year-old who's coming off of uh, multiple injuries. This is at least the best, I think, for Houston, and it's the best for Watt because of both are kind of parting ways on a more mutual term. Well, that's the interesting thing about this, right? Because I get the idea that, hey, J.J. Watt is a franchise legend. They want to treat him well. And if they say, you know what, like if the offer is it's a fourth-round pick, but it's from the Lions, right, and you just don't want to trade him to a bad team, I could understand that, but if you got a fourth-round pick from a decent team and you knew that, isn't that worth it if you're the Texans? Yes and no. Uh, I think that what really it is is that how much of that salary cap are you eating as well? Because if, you know teams can also register and say, we'll pick him up and we'll give you, say, a, a fourth-round pick that is in 2022 that could turn into a, uh, if he plays 11 games, it turns into a third-round compensation pick. But at the same time, you have to pay $10 million of his $17.5 million salary. So there's a lot of ways that it could have worked out. Uh, I am interested to know which teams were fully interested in adding in what. What was the actual trade deal that was in place, if there was one? Uh, In my opinion, this is just a smarter, smoother way for an easier transition from these two to remain on a more positive term, something that is very, very tough to say right now in Houston with former players, with current players with really any players right now. So I I think that this was always the best case of action for everyone involved, for both Houston and Watt, to be able to save a legacy to where I personally believe he's up there with Andre Johnson, if not surpassed Andre Johnson, as the greatest Texan of all time. 
Okay, now we're talking with Cole Thompson, who is in the Houston area and an NFL writer for Fan Sided. So you're saying that, okay, with, with everything with Watt, they do the right thing by him. He gets to go and find his other team. Now, naturally, everybody is going to ask, what does this mean for Watson? And does it mean anything for Watson? I mean, it means that, you know, Watson doesn't really get to have a say in where he gets to go play next. But besides that, uh, I mean, there's really not much anything else I can say. Everyone that I've spoken to is so on board. Nick Casario is not making Deshaun Watson available for trade. But Deshaun Watson, at the same time, also needs to come out and not report to camp. He needs to, you know, not be there for OTAs. He needs to not be there throughout the summer. When practices begins, when all these other things begins, and he is sitting out. Then there is the movement of, all right, now we got to try and move this guy. And that's something that David Culley and, and Nick Casario have to do and figure out before the draft this upcoming year because of you've never seen a player who's 25 years old, a, a top-five quarterback in the NFL, be put on the market if he even is on the market. So what's that asking price? I, I mean, uh, people that I've spoken to, it's been anywhere between two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two proven players. It's four first-round picks. It's seven first-round picks is, is what somebody told me just because of how much value you have in a top-five quarterback. And I brought this up the last time I was on the show. Watson came in as the number-five-ranked quarterback in pro football focus. The top four played for the conference championships to end up going to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers. So we now know that if you have the right quarterback – you're going to be a good enough team. But what's that asking price? And right now, there really isn't an asking price out there that you know I could say is justifiable because you've never seen a player of this caliber ever even come close to being traded by a team. Yeah, and that's part of what's so fascinating about this is you've got a young, bona fide superstar, and he's just hitting his prime and he's available, maybe, and and you have to trade him. And so for that to be the case and for Easterby to be the guy, him and Casario, that are running the show down there, what's the confidence level in that them, you know, that they could get a good deal? You know, I, I really honestly do not know that because the biggest thing is that for any deal to go through, two things would have to happen. One, Casario would have to make it known that Watson is available for trade, which basically means there's no chance that he is coming back into a Texans uniform. There's no chance that he will play for them ever again. He officially wants out, and he will not sign to go back and play. So that's the first thing that has to happen. The second thing is that they have to waive the no-trade clause. Watson's contract, when he signed it back in September on that four-year, $156 million deal, had a no-trade clause in place. So not only does the Texans have to agree to trade Watson, Watson does have a say on where he wants to go, which could make things a little bit more interesting, could make things a little bit more challenging if he says, I would only like to play for these three teams, X, Y, and Z. Now, those three teams would have to go into a bidding war, and the highest bidder would eventually get Watson services for the next five seasons. But if there's not a deal in place for where Houston believes oh, we are coming away with a good draft capital, a big overhaul, then there will not be a deal in line. So it is about 50-50 where Watson does have control, but the Texans have control. So I think right now the, the, the question is, what's the asking price? If I was there, I would want to have a quarterback involved. So, so the Miami Dolphins deal with Tua Tagovailoa, that would have to be involved. And I would say at least three first-round picks, probably two or three mid-rounders as well. And, and if that's not the deal you're getting – you know, the, the end of the day, Nick Casario could say, we're not trading Watson. Watson sits out. His value does not go down. 
Houston tanks next year, they're in line to draft one of the top quarterbacks for the 2022 class, and they probably still will get, I would say, a reasonable return for a 26-year-old Watson, who teams now have to pay $29 million a year instead of $27 million a year because if he is starting that four-year contract extension. All right, so we're talking with Cole Thompson, who's an NFL writer for Fansided, and he covers the Texans. Now, I'm just kind of curious, right? Because one of the things that I've seen, for example, I'm a Philly guy, right? So the things that I see, like all over Twitter and phone calls on Philly radio when I do stuff there, like the trade rumors and what Carson Wentz is worth and who he'd go to is so, like, out of control from people. How are fans handling Deshaun Watson? Are you, like, are there crazy trades going on? Are there, like, favorite theories for fans right now of who you get in return? Like, I just want to know what that fan experience is like right now with all of this. Legitimately, with so many different websites coming out with mock draft simulators and trade deals and all that, you start to see ways that teams are trying to build it out. So, you know, and I have a group chat with friends who literally – have told me, you know, since we were kids, what they would offer for Deshaun Watson and what would be out there. And then I have friends in the business who, you know, have also been like, okay, well, what, what do you think of this deal? And it always comes down to a couple first-round picks, about a mid-round pick. Sometimes you get a proven player, sometimes you don't. And for Houston fans, it's a little agonizing because of they're sitting there and they go, wow, I do not believe that that deal would be taken. But I also never thought we would trade DeAndre Hopkins away for less than a first-round pick. So anything's possible. I mean, that's, that's really the reality when I talk to some of my friends. And when I talk to some people, it's just like, oh, well, we just watched an all-pro receiver go for a running back who may not be on the roster and to move up 17 picks in the second round. Yeah, anything's possible, man. Yeah, and that's kind of the surprising thing, too, about all of this. I feel like there's there's a sense for, I mean, for me, I'm not even a Texans fan, but the sort of sense of shell shock of how you got a team that was so good and Watson was so young, and it's like, all right, they're in the playoffs, they're having good quarters against the Chiefs, and then, you know, terrible three quarters or whatever. But, like, they, they had moments where you looked at this team and you look at the direction of it, and you go, wow, they've got the core pieces. You still have J.J. Watt on the back end of his career giving you stuff. It feels like they could really do something. And then for Watt to get released, it's just another reminder of how much the thing just totally fell apart. Yeah, I think everything started really falling apart in that second quarter against you know Kansas City in the AFC Divisional Round. If they would have been smart, and they would have either parted ways with Bill O'Brien that offseason, or they would have hired a GM that offseason, a full-time GM, probably a lot of this does not happen. Probably a contract extension does get done because if Watson still was in a positive light with the Texans. Uh, I, I believe that that Hopkins is not traded. I still believe they go get Brandon Cooks because if you got to remember, they had two second round picks and they traded away their second late second round pick to get Brandon Cooks. So they still get Brandon Cooks. They still have Hopkins. They still have Fuller for those eleven games, and you have really a high tempo offense in passing. And you can find a way to win with running backs. I mean, you, there's definitely names who were on the market that you could have gone for. You could have probably paid a low, you know, you could have paid a low overpriced for it. But then you would have been able to focus in on the upcoming draft this year with your defense. You'd be able to still be able to focus in on cutting names like Bernard McKinney, cutting names uh, such as, you know, unfortunately, J.J. Watt, restructuring deals such as Whitney Merciless. Those are things that you could have done. But it all started when you decided to bring back Bill O'Brien for a second season. And that's not a whole knock on him because of you start to see the dysfunction now that Bill in the post Bill O'Brien era, and it still is the same dysfunction in the Bill O'Brien era. So there's definitely multiple heads going there, but I do say 
if they do fire Bill O'Brien after that 24 nothing debacle, uh, this team is probably in a lot better hands than they were going into 2021. It's crazy, man. Just a, a crazy state of affairs down there in Houston. And you do a great job covering the team. Cole Thompson, NFL writer for Fansided. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. Cole Thompson. I love that handle, by the way. It's a great handle. Honestly, I, I couldn't find Cole Thompson. So I was like, all right, I don't want to have like 32 or something at the end of my name. Yeah. And there we go. And it works. Well, there it is. That's Mr. Cole Thompson. Cole, thanks so much, man. Thanks, Vince.